the road to Acapulco is very hard indeed And it isn't any better if you haven't any weed Henry's driving hard straight on Tizzy Mountain Road Fifty people waiting back and Welcome to the Nice Guys Delivery Podcast. I'm your host, Rob, and I am joined today by an incredible resource for the cannabis world, the leader of Catalyst Unlimited Farms up in Humboldt County, Captain Ron Kennedy. All right, man. Glad to be here. You've got quite a little bit of history with the plant cannabis. Yeah, man. It's been a minute. (laughs) Put my first seed in the ground in 1975 can remember exactly where I was at in the mountains on my dirt bike. And I learned pretty quick. You know, it's hard. <laughs> so I remember learning that uh, it's funny because just when I did that, I had this great spot, great dirt. Everything was cool. And I did not anticipate the leaves growing on the trees. So that was my first lesson in growing marijuana, you know, was, was that. And just there's been a bazillion since then. So you've been doing this um, before the legalization took place. Oh, yeah. And... uh had some trials and tribulations. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I grew on and off little bits here and there on islands in the river. And gosh, till I didn't really do it where I never made any money that I had to claim by the IRS. But I didn't really do it to professionally, I would say, until uh, 1991 is when it got real about it. And uh, yeah, since then, it's just it's been my life. And wh- where were you at that point in time? In the Appalachian Mountains in Pennsylvania, and uh, had a. So what was the climate like there? Well, at the climate there was was way different. The weather you never knew how it was going to be. It could be a rainy year, it could be a sunny year, and basically the plants. When I was doing it up in the mountains, it was uh, basically watch the weather and see whether or not we had to water plants, and then watering plants entailed backpacks with water and carrying it and. You know, God, I think about it now and how much water you really need on a plant. And and it was mostly a, that was like a labor of love more than anything, you know, just, it wasn't like how it became. Then, um, when did you make the move to California? Oh, 2010. I got, uh, went up to check my plants one day on my dirt bike and it used to be a, about a three mile walk and I didn't realize that they opened the gate for hunting season and my plants became like a 50 yard walk from somebody. The first person that ever found my plants and all the years of doing it, instead of just stealing it, they went and told the cops. So the cops were like laying for me, somehow waiting for me to show up. And I rolled up in my dirt bike and it was weird. I watched this. I was watching the news before I left. And on the news, this guy robbed a bank or something and he was surrounded by police and he ran and he got away. That was like that morning. So I'm walking back towards my plants and it pops in my head and it it just literally my head was like, that's what you want to do, Ronnie. You want to run. And I'm just like, that's weird. And about that time, I heard somebody go, yo. And so I was like, I just turned my head down and turned around and ran. And I got almost to my dirt bike and there was a cop or standing there. I didn't have my glasses on. I couldn't tell if he had a gun in his hand or if he was just telling me to stop. And I just kept saying, okay, okay. And just kept walking towards my dirt bike and jumped on it and freaking hauled ass out of there. And I managed to get out of there. But my coat fell off and it had a joint and a bank machine receipt in it. So, God, it was just crazy. I got, I got away and got home and cleaned up everything, got everything out of the house and went and saw a lawyer the next day. And we got back from the lawyer's. And they were waiting for me there. 
So that's what got me out here because I got, I ended up, they only found nine plants. So I was one plant shy of it being like serious shit. So I ended up doing, I think, 30 days. And I just sort of decided I'm going to go live where they don't hate me. You know, so I came out and checked out Humboldt. And as soon as I saw Humboldt County, was like, holy shit, this is beautiful. And man, I ain't looked back. You know, I just ain't looked back. And we, we went out and did medical. And first opportunity to go legal, we did just because... You know, getting kind of old to be in jail and feel like I did enough of that for everybody. And so that's uh, kind of just been snowballing since then, you know. The transition to do the medical, was that hard? Was there a, a lot to it? Did you have to change a lot of things? Well, to go into medical, it was relatively easy um, because we grow organic bud. And I, I started, actually, when I was in Pennsylvania, when I was growing weed in Pennsylvania, all my weed went to the Grateful Dead parking lot, all of it. And the only thing that mattered was it had to taste good, you know, because everybody's pot gets you high. It just had to taste like it smelled. So my focus in growing weed has been that. That has been where all my genetics has came from. I've never focused on the high because... That, you know, take two instead of one. Take two hits instead of one or smoke one joint instead or two joints instead of one. Or, you, you know what I mean? So when it went to medical and by then we were totally organic and I had the flavor thing just down. If if you opened up our jar, you know, it, it fucked up the room. So it just worked, man. It just worked. I found one club. Dude bought all my weed. So I went from like, I didn't have to drive around, sell stuff. He just took it all. And that, it just was, that was great. And then when rec came, it got harder, but. Uh, we'll get into that in a bit. Right. Um, you mentioned um, the, the focus you put on the, the taste and the smell. Tell us what you, what you did and what, what's involved. And it's more than just, you know, throwing a seed in the dirt and then going out and watering it. Obviously, you've put a lot of time, effort, and uh, probably a lot of educating yourself about all this stuff. So tip us in on a little bit and tell us about like, you know, when terpenes first came into your world and, and how you, um, without giving away the, the, uh, the right. Catalyst Unlimited secrets here that are in right. the cookie jar, you know. Like, well, it, it uh, I guess first thing I learned, I remember when I first started growing, growing weed, there was the blue shit and the green shit. And it was like hydroform and it was just, it was salt-based fertilizer and we, I was doing um, hydroponics. And I learned pretty quick I couldn't leave my house because I had to check everything every day. And then somebody turned me on to um, organics. Basically, back then, organics meant Botanicare. You know, I don't want to do a commercial for Botanicare or anything, but what I noticed as soon as I went to Botanicare and went to dirt pots and my indoor stuff, everything just got even better yet. The turps got better. So then the next thing, Paul Stamens. This was uh, early 90s. He was selling mycelium for in your soil it was really early i didn't know anybody was doing it my wife read a lot she found it we'd put a little capsule of paul stamen stuff in each one of our pots and and man that changed a lot and uh we just sort of just started following the organics and then really learned it's about the soil it's about the living life in the soil and feeding your soil and letting the symbiotic relationship with the microbes and the fungus do its magic with the roots because you know they got that figured out and uh it's funny i went from you know then the so the botanical was buying all these lines of stuff and all this crazy stuff and it just there's this big mountain of going up 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 and spending all the money we could because money you know was 
pot was so exp- you know 400 bucks an ounce and so it we had money to spend and now it's like now i'm going back down the hill the last couple years i haven't used any like i'm just doing cover crops so now i'm back to the bare minimum it's it's been a wild ride but that's kind of it's hard to explain but that's how it is you know it's just the less is more and um you've done a, a lot of um you mentioned hydroponic growing, so you've done indoor growing and outdoor growing. Talk about the contrast between the two and what you like about each or maybe what you don't like about one or the other. Yeah, well, you know, honestly, I miss growing indoor. I used to, after I've been out here, I was just doing that in the wintertime. I don't do that anymore because I just only have permits for, for outdoors. And uh, I used to do a lot with my indoor. I would be able to tell what was going to handle light depth better, what wasn't going to maybe shoot male flowers. It was easier to do a couple plants and see what strains were nice. I mean, I don't want to bash the indoor industry, but lately, you know, with the whole climate change thing, the electric has become a thing. But, you know, you can get your electric from from a, from a better source. But what was funny with me, with me growing, when I was growing indoor, light up, and full term of all the same strains, my THC levels came in the highest on my full term the next highest on my light up and then the lowest on my indoor. And it, it always, it always did that for me. I was, and it doesn't seem too nuts cause you know, it's, it's the sun, you know, the sun is, is your friend out here in Humboldt, <laughs> even in California, anywhere. It's just boom. And that was a thing in Pennsylvania when I was growing back there, you know, it might have a whole summer of just cloudy days. Let's talk about your um, transition into uh, legalization here in California, like prop 64 and all the trials and tribulations. I know you guy, you and your wife have gone through a lot to make oh, man. to make things happen for you to be a quote unquote legitimate commercial farmer here in California. Yeah, imagine like imagine trying to make plutonium in your basement. It was probably a lot like that. You know, it was so different and so hard and so weird. I was just thinking the other day about how when I got into growing weed, I was doing it because I didn't want to have to go to work. And, you know, I was, uh, my other life, I was a supervisor. I had to deal with paperwork and all kinds of crap. And, and that all went away. And I just realized the other day, I'm up to my eyeballs in that again. And, you know, it's, it's nice to have found some good distributors and people to work with where I don't have to worry about that. Because that's what I want to do. I just want to be able to go out on my farm and grow weed and know that it's going to get to folks and they're going to like it and not have to, uh, worry about being shut down for this that or the other thing and it's it's just hard i don't know how else to describe but i know everybody's going through the same thing i think it may be harder some places than others not sure so it's been now what two years of doing it maybe three yeah man has it gotten any better or any easier it got easier once we actually got our license and i wasn't terrified every time somebody came out that i was doing something wrong but um there's still it's still hard i mean it you know there's always a new thing every now there's a new thing now that now the prices have gone down so it's negotiating that you know and then and thank god i'm doing organics because for the last this will be our third year where we use no npk we 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 grow heavy cover crop all winter long get our soils tested last three years our soil test came back no npk needed and that again increases the flavor and the the strength of the plant. And for the uh, novices out there, NPK is oh, it's nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus. It's uh, the main three big ferts that everybody's 
tossing in. And and the first thing I would tell folks if they're they're at home growing their own weed and they've been doing it for a while and they got their dirt in the springtime before you do anything, you can there's places online you can send in a little dirt, get a soil sample for fifteen bucks. And it'll tell you what to put in there. And I will guarantee you, you're going to have plenty of phosphorus and plenty of potassium because it just builds up and it don't go nowhere. And nitrogen is what you're trying to add. And you can do that. You can do that by growing fava beans, basically fava beans. They, they, um, they put little nitrogen mo- or nodules on the roots and they grow it. So all you do, you cut the, I, I juice them. I juice the plants, cut them all down, throw them in my compost pile, let the roots in the soil. The nodules break down. Then you get your soil tested again, and you'll get that test back. It says no NPK needed, and uh, there you go, because less is more. I mean, I was on the boat years ago just dumping stuff, dumping stuff, and, you know, and that's my wife. She, she reads, you know, she, she reads organic science books and likes to read and, and do all that, and that's how she reads and does the stuff, and then I do the trials and errors, and it, and it, it works. Smart people in charge of important shit. That's my... Uh, if I could scream a motto out to everything in the world, it would be that. Let's talk about some strains now. Um, you've got so many. Uh, when you were back in um, Pennsylvania doing this, were you dealing with strains like you are now, or you were just growing weed? Well, the first time that we got anything really substantial going in Pennsylvania, a friend of a friend flew to Amsterdam and bought seeds and brought them back, and we were growing like one through 36, that was the name of the strains. I couldn't even tell you what they were now. I mean, it, I remember 36 was really good, and I liked 36. And so those strains, I still have those strains in my genetics. I would mix and match those, and, and we would grow those. And then I was going to Jamaica a lot and hanging out in the freaking jungle with Rosses, and I brought some seeds back, and that got into my, into my genetics, which I think was Jamaican lion, where when medical happened and testing started happening, I started getting... You know, I had CBD in my, and some of my strains were, were um, you know, CBD enriched. And that's where that came from, I think, was from the, that Jamaican lion plant. So, yeah, that was it. And then I remember I was when selling to the, to the lot. So, you know, of course, Humboldt's weed was in there. And I was competing with Humboldt when I was growing in PA. And that upped my game. And I remember 818 headband and then, oh, Chemdog. We had the original Chemdog. And that was awesome. And, uh... My buddy left one of his buddies um, keep his mom's, and he got some new, cool, amazing bug spray to spray and killed them all. And that was the last time I, I actually saw that strain. <laughs> that still bothers me, and that's been, God, 25, 30 years, I guess. I don't know. It's interesting that you had even thought or knew to keep the strains that you had back then going and somehow keep those genetics alive because for my own thing, ages ago decades ago maybe doing some things down in santa cruz mountains it's like thinking out wow we never thought to keep that stuff alive and it would have been amazing if we did yeah yeah it's and you know there's a funny story of that the friend of mine that i grew with in pa i was out here growing and i i i didn't bring many of the genetics with me yet i had some of the seeds and i asked him to get me some five of them popped the day after he got them to me he got busted and raided and that that was the end that would have been the end of all that work we did but because of those so so some of that survives in some of my strains now and uh it was it was that close you know it was like one day would have been the difference and that stuff would have all been gone and now i have probably dragging 30 moms through my world through my life you know the of um 
they're clone only plants that I made that I haven't had time to really get them stable and have seeds. And I've got a bag of, I think the last I counted, I had like 180 different crosses and that could be thousands of, of strains and, Oh, yeah. So you you had mentioned getting away from paperwork and stuff like that when you've got thousands yeah. of strains. And it sounds like a lot of work and a lot of stuff to keep track of. It's uh, so crazy. This year I did. This spring I thought, man, I got these seeds sitting in here. They're not doing anything, and I haven't been messing with with any new genetics recently. So I did seventy five plants. I did a seventy five seed run, and I depth them and. So I cut five clones off each plant, had them all numbered and labeled, do the math. That's a freaking lot of clones, and I'm keeping them all tracked. And plus, I'm doing all my normal other stuff to get ready for the for the regular year. And so I, I managed to get, I got three out of there that I really like. I don't really have a name for them yet. I just, so far, I just called them Fuck Yeah 1, Fuck Yeah 2, and Fuck Yeah 3, just because I thought these are the ones I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep. So yeah, it's it's a ton of work. I mean, it's really... It would be easier if I had a big farm, a really big farm, and that's what I did. And that's what I think a lot of these other people, they just focus on doing that. But I got to focus on growing good bud to, to get paid. But it's 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 a lot, man. It's it's a freaking lot. It's certainly a lot. You know, earlier you had mentioned you would, you know, come out here and do this because you didn't want to quote, you didn't want to quote right. work. We, I think you, we need to clarify that. You didn't want a straight job. There's right. A, you know, if anyone thinks that growing marijuana is not work they've got another thing coming yeah. yeah yeah it's it it keeps you healthy man my my guys that work for me they call it ron's gym because <laughs> they're moving the dirt and the soil and they're all some guys come in and they'll be scrawny and you know maybe playing the internet or whatever and man by by june or july they look like they've been at the gym for quite a while and they're all tan and boom, build up and when did you start catalyst unlimited did you start that when you went medical yeah, so we we decided to go legal. It was in, I think it was I think it was like December two thousand fifteen. We were sitting in L.A. in a parking lot of a bank, trying to think of a name that wouldn't sound like a pot farm that the bank wouldn't say is a pot farm. So you know, and I always I, I catalyst is such a thing because catalyst the compost is a catalyst for so many things from from either um, sequestering carbon out of the soil to pl- supplying your plants with everything they need. So that was like, I like Catalyst. And my wife came up with Unlimited. It was Catalyst Unlimited. Sounds like we sell tires. I don't know. Cool. So then we had to go through and look and, and what, what like through the IRS, gosh, I should, but through the thing to see what it is that we do. And I actually found one that says we sell cut flowers. So that's what we do is we sell cut flowers, you know. That's why my farm's not called, you know, Uncle Ron's Sticky Bud. That's my <laughs> website, you know. Yeah. But or my, not my website, my email. But um, <laughs> so I guess now we could change the name to something. I guess, but it, I kind of, I kind of like. Well, it. you got a good brand going. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and for some of us like yourself and myself, that uh, you know, Catalyst is that club in Uncle Neil's backyard. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, <laughs> Where we've seen lots of warm-up shows. Um, let's talk about your association. Um, when you finally did go commercial and go um, recreational or legal. Your products are now uh, one of the featured brands on the Willie's Reserve, and um, there's we've got in my hand. I'm holding a nice package of lime sherbet in indica grown by Catalyst Farms, and these pre rolls. And this package over here has the papaya orange guava, a sativa grown by you. Um, those are two definite favorites. So I, uh, I saw 
Mike and Nelson's band was going to be up in Arcata, and I didn't really know much about it. And I thought I hadn't been out for a long time, and I thought I'm going to go and go up and see what 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 they're about. And I went up there, and I brought a bunch of weed up, and I gave Mike a bunch of weed, and I got a phone call back the next day from the band, like, "Oh my God, this stuff's ruined the whole car. We, you know, somebody opened it to roll a joint, and it woke everybody up. You know, the smell. It's great. It's great. You know, and." That's how I got hooked up with with those guys, and um, I guess they shared it with the with the proper folks, probably Pop, I'm guessing. And um, man, whenever so so there was years where they were just waiting for it to go wreck because I was still medical at that point, and they weren't in California because they weren't medical. And man, they saved my butt because uh, the first year when everybody had their weed buried, waiting for the price to come up, and it didn't come up, and I had uh, 170 pounds buried in the ground, and that's when uh, I got a phone call. I think um, Micah said, somebody's going to call you. I won't mention names. And she called me and said, oh, somebody's going to come up, and they come up and took it all. And uh, that was it. That got me in with those guys, and it's been it's been awesome. It's the, the whole Willie's Reserve family is awesome. I can't say enough about them. You know, of course, Willie's family's awesome. You know, everybody knows that. Tell us about the lime sherbet. That's a, a personal fave and a, a fave of everyone I've turned on to it. It's just a cut of sherbet that uh, really does well up in, in my little microclimate. You know, I'm not out in the super hot. I'm in closer to the coast, so different strains do better. It's um, it's just got such a good nose and such a good buzz and if you let it go till it's finished, which, you know, that's that's a trick to a lot of this, too, is not taking it early. And that's that costs more money to do that because it's less time you're growing the next run. So if you let it go till it's finished, that's where a lot of the flavor comes from as well and the smell. And and is there any tip you can give someone who's, you know, not professional and just doing this as a hobby and for their own little personal stash? Like, what's the tipping point? Where When do you let it go till? Well, depending where you live at, the first and most important thing is mold. You're trying to beat mold because mold likes sticky buds. And the, the nicer the weed is, the stickier the bud is, the more the mold's going to freaking try and get it. So you're just trying to do everything, you know, leaf your plants, get air through there, let the sun, the sun's the biggest killer of all the mold. When the fog rolls in and shit, that's when you get powder mildew, that's when you get your molds. So you want to... You know, you want to just just evade from avoid getting mold. So when when you've got the first part of the game beat, then so then it's up to you to watch how the plants are. Go get yourself a little um, thirty power scope and just watch your trichomes. Of course, you're waiting for the bud to swell up till them white hairs kind of just look like they're just getting shorter because they're just getting ate by the by the bud more or less. It's just going, you know, the bud's getting bigger and just growing out around them. You know, the old rule of thumb god back in the 80s was um 75 percent of the hairs is red and that was just such a not just not how it is i mean that, that's way too early so then you can when you get your scope watch your trichomes you're going to see the bubbles in there they're going to be clear you'll start to see a bubble in there and it'll get harder and harder to see the bubble it'll get cloudier and cloudier anytime and then if you want to take it earlier usually you're getting a more uppity high but if you can let it go longer you're, you know, it just lets the terps come out more the bud's just finishing more. It's just getting more ripe. And then when it's totally milky, like you'll go out one day and look at them, they'll look like white marbles. That's when, you know, cut it because it's, it's not going to get no better than that. And, you know, you'll just be growing mold from that point out. Watch your stems. Any kind of gray mold or any mold on there at all, 
once that gets systemic into the plant, it just turns your buds into little mold mold producers. Man, yeah, the mold is the mold is what I'm always battling. But yeah, letting it go longer is the the deal. And what about purple buds? Is it the longer that you go and the leaves turn purple that the buds will turn purple too? Well, it's temperature too. A lot of it's temperature. I've had strains that will turn. I had a strain once it was black and it just would be purple. It could be 110 degrees. It would be purple. Then I had some other strains when I used to grow indoor. I used to turn the air conditioner way down to get them purple. I actually had one turn one year. I had strawberry kush turn like bright red, like a rose petal. The whole bud was bright red, like, I don't know, I'm looking at a Grateful Dead, Grateful Dead red, you know, and I was just, back then I was, I was trimming wet, so we trimmed it wet, I dried it, and it didn't turn purple, it was still red, and I was excited, it's like I'd never seen red bud before, man, I put it in the bag, and it turned purple, so... I did that one time. But anyways, the purple is cold. You can also, if you're doing, if you really want to turn your stuff purple, you can get some ice water and dump it on your dirt. And that, that cold water in the roots, you know, I've had friends that did that on indoors back when the purple was all, the, the granddaddy purple, purple, purple. And it seems like that's coming out again. Everybody's digging on that again. Ice cream cake, you know, the cold temperature is the biggest thing. Genetics, well, genetics is probably the biggest thing. And then to get those genetics to turn, it's just the cold and letting them go. You know, letting them go longer. Tell us about the Captain Ron chocolate. The chocolate strain is, um, it was a uh, strain. I, okay, so I started out called Crazy Horse, which is my strain, times Kosher Kush, and made this other strain we'll just call UN. And that strain I crossed with, the male was um, a Tangelo crossed with Cherry Pie. And when I, I just did a, a bag cross with the pollen on one branch, and I guess one of the seeds fell off into my greenhouse, and the next year I had a volunteer plant growing, and I thought, well, hey, yeah, you're good. I'll let you go. And that one turned out to be a super, super nice plant. And it's funny because when I harvested it, it didn't really smell that strong. It didn't, it looked nice, and I just had one plant, and this was during medical, so I just trimmed it up, and I threw it in the ground, buried it. We were going to a High Times event, and I was trying to find stuff to put out on our table. And I went down and got that, and I thought, yeah, well, I don't know. This didn't have a good nose, but I went up, and I brought it up. And when I opened a bag, it, it fucked our whole house up. I mean, it was, it, it just smelled so hard. And the same thing happened at the High Times Cup. When we opened a jar, we were, like, turning people's heads walking down. So that strain is, like, a lot of strains really get better with, um, with uh, curing. But that one is like different than any I've ever had where it uh, it really just needs you need to basically just bury it for a couple a month or two. And then it it's every time I've done that so far, I open the bag and it's just kaboom. Yeah. T- tell us a little bit more about the curing process and the, the, the benefits of that. Yeah, that's it, man. That's what makes it like if you don't dry your the start out with you got to you got to dry it slow to get the chlorophyll out of the bud. And then, um, you know, once you do that, the, the whole thing is just drying it slow. So you get the chlorophyll out of the bud, and then you're just letting it hang. And you don't, you don't ever want to do anything quick or hot. You don't want to cook your terps off. And then the, the curing, I just, I don't put anything in a bag. It, it, it seems to me what I've learned from all these years of doing stuff, the longer you can go from putting it, sealing it up, the better. 
you know, and once you get it cured and you seal it up, you're good. But it just seems like the longer you can go. So I wait till it's ready to go to to its final home. A lot of times I just keep it in paper bags. You know, I don't put it in, in plastic bags until because that, that's when you get that weird smell. You know, when you, if you closed up a little bit too early, I've had Girl Scout cookie a long time ago where I, I did that. And once you get that chlorophyll smell in there, you just can't get it out. It's just it's stuck. So you would dry to the point of, you know, it's still got a little moist, feels sticky, feels fresh. On the stem. Like, and then letting it hang on the wire, dry it on the stem until you trim it. Then when we trim it, that's when I keep it in paper bags and just let it cure. And then I know some folks used to do stuff where they put it in a tote and then put it out in the sun to try to, to sweat it and then open it up and, and, and let that moisture come out and shut it. I mean, I, I don't do that, but that's like a, that's kind of a quick way you could do it home if you don't have like giant room or anything to. But the, the, the main thing is slow, man, with the dehums don't first day I crank them down hard to get the, get the main moisture out and then bang them to 50 and just you want it to take a week or two weeks, not a day or two days Okay. to dry. Very interesting. All right. Appreciate the tips. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's not like, you know, you think, well, you shouldn't be tired. But I mean, I want everybody able to grow good weed, you know, and grow their own weed. And and I think that all the info is already out there it's funny the old days man the info that we were getting in the 70s is it's just so different than remember the old um, hang them upside down thing to let the thc run out of the into the buds and that's just not occurring at all the i remember the old antage was like people would let the roots on and and it was because the the idea was that all the all the thc was in the plants and then would run into the roots and it's just it's just not that way thinking it's like blood when you stand exactly, on your head exactly <laughs> yeah i actually i actually saw an old book in the library and i and i mean it was like from 72 and it was telling you to um put your wet malt, your wet weed into a bag and and bury it i know what that is is because we were all smoking mexican back then and it had that malt, that funky smell like brickweed did and it gave it that smell i think that we were used to and i i actually did that a couple i did one where i i stripped the bud and wrapped it all up and just let it turn into a big black moldy thing and god that was when i was still in high school the the technology has come so far and and everybody was just doing their best you know to to pass on information and all right i'll ask you one uh one little parting question here so we're, we're sort of midsummer here right now in california what's your favorite thing in the ground right now Man, right now, let me see. I guess I really like the peanut butter breath this year. I don't like growing this plant at all. I'll never grow it again. But it is why, some why, hard. Why is that? Not peanut butter breath. I was going to say the next one. The next is Mac One. It uh, it's a super high THC plant, and everybody's wanting high THC. So I thought, well, I'll give this a whirl. And I'd I'd grown it last year. And I know the veg process was just ridiculous. I vegged these plants. I started them in February, and they're still not done yet. I'm depping them. All through veg, they just look sick and miserable. And then when you flip them and they go into flower, they just look amazing. So the, the MAC one's going to be nice. I guess the bestest one I got this year coming up is uh, it may be the sherbet again because right now they look – I, I don't, haven't finished any yet, but they look nice. Of course, the ice cream cake looks nice, but that always looks nice, and everybody's got that. Tell me a little bit about the peanut butter breath because I've been turned on to that recently and it's pretty mind mind blowing and tasty and fragrant. 
kind of everything you'd want. It's Mendo Breath times Dosey Dough, I'm pretty sure. And I grew Dosey Dough a while back and I really liked it. But the buds are just real round and hard and dense. And it, I had that beautiful buzz, you know, and it was in my plans. And I squeezed one and I could just feel the goo in the. It, it was like I squeezed a gooey sponge. And oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. This is a good one. That one, it's just, it's different. It's unique. It's, it's strong. I think my first test was 36 cannabinoids. I'm not sure the THC, I think, was around 29, something like that. And Catalyst Unlimited, you've got quite a grip on the flower going, without a doubt. Are you branching out into other stuff, into this, into the hash market, into anything like else like that, or the, the oils or concentrates or anything like that? Yeah, well, yeah. You know, I, I actually just did my first run of Fresh Frozen this year with um, Arcata Fire. And uh, my God, that stuff looks nice. They made, they made, um, they're making cartridges and stuff. Not sure if they're finished yet, but uh, that stuff's real nice. It's they come out, cut the bud. It's kind of, it's kind of hard watching it happen, but it's kind of, it's just what's happening. You cut the buds fresh down and stick them right into frozen, fresh frozen, and then they just get made right into hash. The, the whole plant. I mean, it it went from being a living plant to being frozen solid in like less than fifteen minutes. So you saw that whole operation? Yeah, they, they came out and did the whole thing on my farm. Like right there, you have the, the um, dry ice. And we did similar things in the black market days, but nothing like nothing to this level. It, it makes an amazing product. It, it captures all the terpenes. Because the whole thing, another reason why probably our weeds got more terpenes is because we're in a microclimate. You know, when you get over 75 degrees, they start cooking off. So a lot of farms are, are out and it's 100 degrees and... It's harder to keep those terps in there, and that's part of the thing with the fresh frozen. They're freezing them, boom, right where they are. The whole the whole plant's just like stopped at its best part and preserved. And so, when you were riding your dirt bike up to that patch in Pennsylvania, could you have imagined years later you'd be sitting right here doing what you're doing? Yeah, no way. And you know, I I got to thank those officers. They got me the hell out of there, and and now I'm. I'm with more like-minded people. I'm not bashing Pennsylvania, but at the time, you know, it's, it was, uh, it definitely was the catalyst to get me, to get me where I, where I belonged, you know. Maybe one day when uh, there's interstate commerce, you can send them a little care package. Yeah, man. Yeah, that would be, that would be nice. I hear that things are starting to change back there, but. We'll see how it goes. I'm praying uh, for it. All right. Captain Ron Kennedy from Catalyst Unlimited. I want to thank you so much for being here on the Nice Guys Delivery Podcast today. We really enjoy your work, enjoy your product, enjoy your vibe. And everybody out there, uh, go pick up some Willie's Reserve, This, especially this lime sherbet that I'm holding in my hand. Which I can't wait to uh, light one up. <laughs> right on, man. Well, thanks, Rob. It's great hanging with you, man. You too, my friend. Ron Kennedy from Catalyst Unlimited. Check them out. You can find their products at Willie's Reserve and probably a bunch of other places coming soon, too. It's the Nice Guys Delivery Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and check us out at NiceGuysDelivery.com. What's old Jasper doing on that mountain? Sometimes we can see his fire from here. Sometimes we can see his fire from here.